Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. <laughs> I just graduated from boot camp. I can't disclose too many specifics, as I don't want to get into trouble with my chain of command. Anyway, while I was there, some strange things happened that nobody has been able to explain. Here's the story. While you are in boot camp, you occasionally have to stand watch for a few hours. Another recruit and I typically stood watch from midnight to around 2 a.m., My job was usually roving security, which is basically the person who patrols a set area and takes temperature readings and looks for suspicious activity. Usually, the most serious things I dealt with were other recruits messing around in the bathrooms and having to tell them to go back to their bunks. One night, at around 2 in the morning, I was making my rounds and thought I heard talking coming from the bathroom. I went inside and heard whispering coming from the showers. So, I walked in, and what I saw was just weird. I saw a young man around 17 to 20 years old, hunched over and facing away from me in the darkest corner of the shower area. I walked towards him and said, Hey man, I need you to get back to your bunk. As I was approaching him, I swear he vanished into thin air in the blink of an eye. I remember the feeling of pure shock and confusion. When I walked out, the other guy on watch with me asked why I was so pale, and I told him what happened. I told him exactly what I had seen, and he said it was most likely a result of me being tired from all the stress of boot camp and the lack of sleep. I agreed with him because I figured, of all places, why would a ghost haunt the showers at boot camp, and I was pretty tired. The next night, I didn't have watch duty, but the recruit who had my usual shift reported seeing a shadow in the showers and some weird whispering noises while nobody was there. I talked to him and told him what I had seen, but that I thought it was most likely our minds playing tricks on us. He agreed, and we decided that we should just ignore it. That was until I started seeing things outside the showers. I had a slightly earlier watch that night, and I was patrolling the bunks, checking on recruits who were sick, as I was supposed to. I was walking past some empty bunks and saw some movement in the corner of my eye. I figured it was just a recruit messing around or something, so I went to tell him to get back to bed, but as soon as I approached the empty bunks, I saw some sort of shadowy figure that did not look human. It was like a black blob moving around. When I got closer to investigate, it vanished. The area it was in was extremely cold compared to the rest of the room. I just walked away as there was nothing else to do there and I figured the staff must have cranked the air conditioning. 
I was tired of making stuff up. I saw this out of the corner of my eye all throughout boot camp while on early morning watch. The last story is from when I was tasked with taking temperatures throughout the whole building. My job was to go to each division's compartment and ask for their room temperature. I had just taken all but two other division's temperatures and was looking for the last two. As I walked past some empty rooms, I could have sworn I saw some movement inside, so I figured maybe I missed a room and went to look inside their window. The room was just being used as storage and was pitch black except for the light from outside. All I could see were some boxes and empty bunks, but out of the corner of my eye, I saw a person standing at the edge of the light facing me. I saw this and decided I was just going to look elsewhere for the last two rooms, which I found a few minutes later. However, as I was returning to report my findings, I noticed in the hallway a shadowy arm or limb being outstretched and coming back behind the doorway. When I passed by, there was nothing there. The area was super cold and there was only a closed janitorial closet. The other recruit I previously mentioned spoke about seeing somebody dancing in the showers at night, but nothing being there when he investigated. He also said that one night, he passed by the showers and saw someone peek out and disappear behind the wall. As usual, there was nobody there when he investigated, but he noted the area was really cold. I know I am going to get called a liar and an attention seeker, but these encounters are all true. I am not in this for the karma, nor do I seek to make the military look bad. I am simply trying to find out what kind of entity that recruit and I may have been dealing with. a few different paranormal experiences in my lifetime. This has resulted in me traveling the country any chance I get to investigate the paranormal. There are many non-believers, but believe me, this stuff is real. Very real. I do plan on sharing all of my experiences eventually, but I'll start with the shadow man. This happened when I was young, and it has disturbed me far worse than any other experience. When I was 10, my mom had just given birth to my brother. We lived in a small apartment, so this resulted in us moving to a rental home. The home was simple enough, a small brick house near some farmland in the southern United States. It was neat because a Native American historical site was within walking distance. I was excited about the move. The first few weeks in the house were normal enough. My stepdad got a new work schedule, so we had to change the sleeping arrangements. Before we could all just sort of watch TV and pass out whenever. His new schedule was getting to work by 4 a.m., so that meant lights out early. I remember being upset that the lights had to go out so early, and I couldn't fall asleep at that time. Lying awake in pure darkness, I had a feeling of fear come over me. The next thing I know, I'm on the ceiling looking down at my body. I stayed up there paralyzed for just a few moments. I'll never forget it, still to this day over 20 years later. This is the only time an out-of-body experience has ever happened to me. 
Of course, I told my mom. I was terrified. She says it was a nightmare, but I wasn't asleep. I remember being tired at school because I stayed up with my closet light on all night until my stepdad woke up. I did not sleep. The next day after school, I fell asleep for a long nap. Pretty much the only time I would get any rest for the next few nights. When it was time for lights out the next night, I didn't sleep again. I kept thinking about the ceiling experience. My bedroom was connected to a large open den and hallway where my baby brother's crib was located. This den also had a sliding door to the backyard slash pasture. I had my door cracked halfway, and as I turned my attention from the ceiling to the door, that's when it started to happen. What I refer to as the fear started to come over me. A tingly, frightening sensation. And that's when I saw it. A solid black, shadowy figure that wasn't exactly man-shaped, but resembled a man. That's the best way I know how to describe it. The shadow stood there, watching me from outside the doorway. All of a sudden, I felt a pressure on my chest and throat area, like this thing was taking my breath and life right out of me. I wanted to scream, but I couldn't. Eventually. I could breathe, and the entity just disappeared, back to the hallway where it came. I went screaming to my mom again. Of course, another nightmare, she says, as I'm falling asleep on the way to school. I remember getting yelled at by teachers for trying to sleep in class. The next night would be my final encounter with the shadow man, entity, alien, whatever it was. This time I begged my mom to leave the light on. She tells me that I can turn it back on when my stepdad falls asleep. I'm wide awake, scared to death. But nothing happens for a long time. Then the feeling comes, like clockwork. I'm not sure what time these events occur, but if I had to guess, I would say around midnight. This time the figure appears to float right up beside my bed and put their hands around my neck. The same feeling as before, but closer. I am terrified. I can't move or breathe, but I'm wide awake. Having the life sucked out of me. Repeat no sleep process until early morning or on the way to school. Repeat mom saying it's a nightmare. Thankfully, my stepdad suggests buying a new TV for my room that I could keep on at night. I'm not sure if these entities hate the light. Whatever the situation, I never saw the thing again. But it doesn't change the fact that I still fear the dark and sleep with the TV on to this very day. Before, I was never really afraid. Before, I never cared about the paranormal. Ever since that week, I've been researching and seeking out answers. These things are real. And I do not believe scientists have figured it all out by saying sleep paralysis because I wasn't asleep. Mankind has experienced shadow people for centuries. The paranormal is something you have to experience before you become a true believer. Insights would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening. Keep the lights on. And stay safe out there. 
This Wednesday, February 5th, on the way back to work, I went to my usual gas station. I go there every day, five days a week. I go in and everything is different. All new drink stations have been installed and the food area is completely redone. I couldn't believe that they'd redone a gas station in one night. I then go outside and see that two gas pumps are completely gone and there are mulch bags stacked, taking up all the space. None of this was there the day before. I then leave and head to work and somehow turn on the wrong street and get lost. I've been driving these neighborhoods for months and suddenly I'm lost trying to find my job. I get to work a few minutes later and I'm panicking. I know it's silly, but I've always feared changing timelines. My fiancé and I have a timeline safe word in order to know we are together. We created the safe word mostly as a joke after I'd read about the Mandela effect regarding the Berenstain Bears and had a really weird day at my old job. It was only ever used when I'd have nightmares or make jokes. I call and ask him and he has no idea what I'm talking about. We just talked about it at the end of January and we've had it established for a while. I've even woken him up at night and asked him after having a nightmare and he's known the word. But now he has no idea what I'm talking about. When I finally make it to work, one girl keeps saying how confused she is and how nothing makes sense today. Later in the day, Another kept saying all she wanted to do was cry, and she had no idea why. Then, while running errands, I go down the same street I always do, and suddenly there are four houses gone and a grove of trees planted. I've never seen them before, and I really started freaking out. They are next to a building my family owned for the last 20 years. I know this whole neighborhood. The final straw was calling my mom today. She said my sister was going out tonight with her friend Jenna. I have known Jenna since 2003. I asked how much longer until Jenna has her baby. My mom goes silent and asks what the heck I'm talking about. She says she's never been pregnant. I look her up online, nothing. I asked my sister just a half hour ago, and she laughed in my face and told me, Jenna is infertile and will never have kids. I literally remember the day my sister told me she was pregnant. She told me to guess who, and Jenna was my third guess. I have already taken an extensive online schizophrenia test on Friday night. It said that I'm fine and very low probability of it. As for CO2 poisoning, I have no gas in my home. Everything is electric. I opened up to my fiancé and had him read this. He knew it had happened, but didn't know how upset I was. I asked him if I had shown any signs of mental instability or Alzheimer's. I'm only 25, and he said I've never shown any signs and only some mild anxiety when things get crazy. What the hell is happening to my life? <laughs> In 1978, 
I lived in an apartment in New York City that was, no joke, smaller than a public restroom. I could barely fit my twin mattress on the floor. It was a miserable living situation to say the least. I worked at a local bodega, stocking the shelves every morning. I was young, lazy, and completely taken by surprise when I met this beautiful woman named Debbie. She actually showed a romantic interest in me. We began dating that summer, but things were cut short when she had to go back to the West Coast. See, she was only staying with her aunt there in the city for a few months to help with some family issues. It was an amazing summer, though, one I never imagined I would experience. We kept in touch by mail and over the phone whenever we could afford the long-distance phone calls. One day she sent me a letter. In this letter she explained that she didn't want to live so far away and confessed her love for me. While I was ecstatic, I was also broke and hardly lived in a place big enough for two people. I called her immediately and confessed my worries and the situation to her. Debbie was a bit disappointed at first, but reluctantly suggested that I move to California with her. She lived in a double-wide trailer. She had inherited it from her grandmother. A huge upgrade from my coffin-sized apartment. I felt a bit guilty accepting such an offer. Plus, as I said, she was very reluctant at first. Something about it just didn't feel right. It felt like I crushed her dreams of leaving her trailer in California to come live in the big city with her new boyfriend. I quit my job at the bodega and flew out to California just as quickly as I could. At the airport, I waited anxiously for Debbie to arrive. However, instead of the cheery, bright-eyed girl that I immediately fell for, I was greeted by someone very different. This was not the girl that I spent my summer with. I mean, it was Debbie. There was no mistaking that. But the cheeriness was now a dark sense of despair. Her once bright eyes were now bloodshot and sunken in. Her hair looked as if it hadn't seen a brush in weeks, clothes wrinkled and dirty. I'm ashamed to admit that at that moment, I felt like I might have made a big mistake. She did manage to greet me with a very big, beautiful smile and embrace. This was definitely my Debbie, but something was very, very wrong. She drove us back to her trailer. On the way there, she seemed to brighten up just a bit. We talked about our time apart and how happy we were to finally see each other again. Well, when I say that we talked about our time apart, what I really mean is I talked about my time apart from her. She sidestepped every attempt I made to learn more about hers. It was odd, but I didn't think too much of it at the time. When I walked into the door of Debbie's place, I was shocked as I was greeted by a room full of faces. Faces of literally hundreds of porcelain dolls. They were everywhere. Shelf upon shelf, all along the surface of every wall. Doll upon doll, each neatly placed and in perfect condition. Except for one. In the middle of the room lay a single porcelain doll, as if a child had been playing with it and just left it there. It was such an eerie feeling. The room felt heavy. It almost sucked the life out of you just being in there. I again felt like I might have made a huge mistake. Debbie assured me that they weren't hers. Rather, they were an obsessive collection of her late grandmother. 
she didn't have the heart to get rid of them, and she didn't have anywhere else to store them. I gave her my sympathies and told her that it wasn't going to bother me too much. I was just happy to finally be with her. The trailer definitely belonged to an older woman, that's for sure. She even left the plastic covering over the furniture that no doubt her grandmother had used to keep it new. Still, as creepy as it was, it was ten times better than my crap hole in New York. I picked up the doll from the center of the room and handed it to Debbie. She looked at the doll and placed it back on one of the shelves. Now she kept her back to me as she did this, but just sort of stood there for a few seconds. Before she let out a long sigh, she turned back with the biggest and most unsettling smile that I had ever seen from her. It was like she was pretending to be a human. Her mouth was smiling, but her eyes were not. It was very forced and uncomfortable. Her dark and haggard hair, sunken in eyes, her dirty, loose-fitting clothes, the way that she was slightly hunched over, it was enough to send chills down anyone's spine. Yep, I definitely made a huge mistake. Debbie wasn't well, but I didn't want to abandon her, and I didn't want to be rude. I was in love with her, after all. I needed to be there for her and see this through. Maybe I could help. But I needed to find out what was going on. She was hiding something from me. After I settled in, we decided to go grab a burger for dinner since we were both pretty exhausted, and she hardly had anything in the fridge at her place. While we were at the burger place, she seemed to brighten up yet again. She seemed more like the old Debbie that I met back at home. I was happy to see this side of her again. I almost teared up with joy. After some playful flirting and joking around, I finally asked her what was bothering her. I told her about how she seemed different and all out of sorts. She told me that she hadn't been sleeping. She was hesitant to even have me move out there with her. I asked why. She said she's being visited by something at night. She thinks it's the ghost of her grandmother. I thought this sounded ridiculous. Obviously, there was something wrong in Debbie's life, but I didn't believe in ghosts or such things. I asked her why she assumed she was being visited by the ghost of her grandmother. I didn't want to be rude, and I didn't want to make things worse by telling her that I thought she was crazy. The next words out of her mouth chilled me to the bone. I'll never forget them, she said. She tells me things only my grandmother would know. I didn't press any further. I'll admit, I was honestly terrified at that point, and I didn't want to know any more about it. We finished up and went back to the trailer. The rest of the evening went smoothly. No more talk of ghosts and deceased grandmothers. Just a pleasant night with my girl. I already felt as if Summer Debbie was making her way back to the surface, convinced that all she needed was some positive experiences with a loved one to bounce back. I decided to do my very best to make that happen. I thought things were going to be just fine. I was very, very wrong. That night, I was woken up by the sound of glass breaking somewhere in the trailer. I lay there for a moment, on my side, waiting for maybe another sound 
just to make sure it wasn't something that I had dreamed up due to the stress of the previous day. I waited for about two minutes until it happened again. Another crash. It sounded like a plate being thrown hard on the other side of the bedroom wall. I turned to Debbie to ask if she was all right, only to find her sitting upright in bed, eyes wide and focused on the wall, staring intently. She looked absolutely insane at that moment. I asked if she was all right. She didn't say a word. She just stared at the wall motionless, as if she were in some kind of trance. I got out of bed and made my way into the living room that shared the wall with the bedroom where I heard the crashing sounds. There on the floor lay two broken porcelain dolls that had fallen from the shelf above. Relieved, but also a bit confused, I cleaned up the glass and threw the pieces and the dolls in the trash. How the hell did a couple of falling dolls make such a loud crashing noise against the wall? It didn't make sense. It literally sounded like someone threw those things against the wall. That feeling began to sink deeper now, the feeling that I had made a very big mistake. When I returned to bed, Debbie was already asleep. I had a hard time falling asleep myself, but I did manage to pass out just before sunup. I slept later than I can ever remember, at least till one. Debbie was up, dressed, and had breakfast ready, waiting for me. I asked her about what happened the night before. She paused for nearly a full minute, as if she didn't really understand the question, then responded saying that it was her grandmother. She was upset that Debbie had brought someone else to live in the trailer. She said that when her grandmother would get mad, she would knock the dolls off the shelves. This has happened before? I asked. Yes, she responded. Yes, she's very angry about you being here. I don't know what to do. The rest of the day went on fine. No falling dolls, no ghosts, no rattling chains or disembodied moans. Just a wonderful day with Debbie. However, that evening, while we were watching television, out of the corner of my eye, I saw it. A dark black figure shot down the hall. It was so fast, I didn't really get a good look at it. I just assumed it was a shadow from some illuminating light outside. Until I saw it again, it shot down the hall in the opposite direction. Just a second later, a single porcelain doll fell from one of the shelves where the shadow had passed. Luckily, this one did not shatter into pieces like the others. I looked up at Debbie and she kept her gaze fixated on the TV, pretending not to have noticed what just transpired. But I saw tears forming in her eyes. She was frozen in fear. She didn't want to look at or acknowledge what was happening. I didn't say a word, I just got up and put the doll back on the shelf. We didn't speak of the matter. I didn't want to trigger some kind of episode or make things worse, but that was all the proof I needed. Debbie was not lying. Right then and there, I became a believer. I know what I saw, and I know that Debbie saw it too. Whatever kind of trickster spirit that made that trailer its home didn't give up, though. The events of the previous night occurred again, but there were more dolls. That night, at least three or four fell from the shelves, this time halfway across the room. These dolls weren't actually falling. They, they were being thrown at least five to seven feet from where they sat on the shelves. While Debbie's condition only worsened, 
as the strange activity progressed, she did say that the ghost had stopped talking to her when I moved in. I brought up the idea of either bringing a priest in or even trying to sell the trailer to get a smaller place closer to Debbie's job, but she wouldn't have it. She felt like she was obligated to stay in the trailer, some kind of guilt or attachment to that place that I'll never understand. I would continue to see this shadow figure at all times of the day, always out of the corner of my eye. I noticed odd things beginning to happen as the days went on. My hair started falling out. Certain rooms of the trailer would smell like something sour, like urine. After the first couple of weeks, living there quickly became a nightmare for both of us. The doll activity only increased. We even tried gluing and nailing the dolls to the shelves, but we would wake up to find them having been ripped off of the shelves and thrown across the room, broken into pieces. The final straw came one night when Debbie woke up screaming. Her face was wild. I couldn't control her. She thrashed around in bed like she was in some kind of intense pain. The following morning, we found three deep scratches on her left side. The skin around it was heavily bruised. We couldn't take any more. I convinced her to leave that place with me right then and there. We went to stay with one of her co-workers a few blocks away for a couple of months while we emptied out the trailer and found a buyer. I got a job at a local grocery store and we got an apartment in town. But things were different then. The events of that trailer changed us. I don't know what evil thing attached itself to that place and I don't know why. I don't think I ever will. Debbie and I split the following year. I still keep in touch with her from time to time on Facebook but we never talk about what happened, just the pleasant memories from that summer in New York. I think that's for the best. Whenever I do try to bring it up or talk about it with someone, bad things start to happen again. I almost regret even sending this story to you. I recently moved out of my childhood home and into an apartment with my boyfriend. I haven't moved too far away, just on the other side of town, so I still go and visit my parents as regularly as I can. I've always known that my parents' house is haunted. I could feel it. As a kid, I used to walk around the house at night talking to no one, which terrified my mom, but I have no memory of this. I also had awful night tears and sleep paralysis, which, of course, could be totally unrelated, but I would always see an old man in the corner of my room just looking at me. When I was 11, we got our first dog. She was a miniature schnauzer and took on the role of my bodyguard almost instantly. She would sleep on my bed most nights, and I'd often wake up to her snarling baring her teeth and staring at that same corner I'd see the man, which always led me to believe that he was really there. My parents never believed me when I told them about the things I experienced in that house. Anyway, fast forward to a few months ago, and I get a frantic call from my mom saying that she was so sorry that she never believed me and that now even my dad, who is the biggest skeptic I know, believed that there's something in the house. My mom explained that 
a few weeks after I moved, she and my dad took my old bedroom since it was quieter and a bit bigger. After moving into that room, she too started to suffer with sleep paralysis and saw an old man in the same corner I did. The thing that scared me the most is when she explained that a lot of the glass in the house keeps smashing. One Saturday, my dad was cleaning a windowsill and one of the window segments completely shattered out of nowhere and he was showered with glass shards. Luckily, he only got a few minor cuts, but he was really shaken. And as my mom was cooking one night, a Pyrex jug just shattered in her hand. Also, a few glasses have come flying out of the cupboards, smashing onto the floor. The list goes on. My mom said that both she and my dad have felt really angry for no reason. They fight more than they used to, and my mom feels like something is watching them. She said the only time the atmosphere lifts is when I come to visit. Maybe something in that house is mad that I left and feels attached or possessive over me. After all, it would have watched me grow up. I feel kind of anxious to visit because I don't want whatever this is to attach itself to me more than it already has. Does anyone have any idea as to why this might be happening and what we can do to help the situation? It's been almost 10 years since this happened, but I still can't really understand it. And honestly, it makes me uncomfortable to recount the story. I was telling someone this story over the weekend, and they suggested that I try to find out if anyone else has had a similar experience. So here I am. I went camping at a pretty remote location in the foothills of Tennessee. The night that my girlfriend and I arrived at the campsite, it was late at night and already dark. There were four to five other couples there already. They had already set up our tent for us. This was my first time visiting the campsite. We sat around the campfire for about 15 to 20 minutes, talking with the host, and then went to bed because it was pretty late. But that night, something happened. I had an experience that I can only describe as a dream. In this experience, I woke up in the middle of a clearing in the woods with my wife. We were both drowsy, and she was more or less incapacitated, as if she were sedated. I was drowsy, but also in full panic of fear, feeling as if we were being chased or trying to escape or something like that. I grabbed her under the arm and was sort of dragging and walking across this clearing towards a group of tents. The sky was kind of foggy and gray so I had very little visibility. I could make out some very clear features of the area, though. A pond, a cleared area with trees all around, a basketball hoop attached to a tree, groups of tents, etc. I was able to drag her back to the tent and lay down. That's when I actually woke up. Terrified. Our tent didn't have a rain fly, so I could see out of the top of the tent into the trees and sky. 
I saw a round object with six circular lights in a circular pattern hovering just over the trees. The craft made no noise at all, completely silent. I lay there paralyzed. After a few moments, the craft sort of just flew off out of sight. I laid in the tent completely scared for a long time, trying to make sense of what I was thinking and feeling. I was able to finally go back to sleep, though. The next morning, we woke up and I saw the campsite for the first time. It was exactly like I had seen in my experience, even down to the detail of the basketball hoop nailed to the tree. Again, I had some very strong and strange feelings after recognizing the surroundings from my quote-unquote dream. We didn't stay the next night. I told my girlfriend about the story on the drive home the next day. Fortunately, she didn't or doesn't think I'm crazy. But I, I can still remember the events as vividly as if it happened yesterday. I'm curious if there are others with a similar experience. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Odd Trails. This week you have heard, I just graduated boot camp. I experienced some strange occurrences while there, and I can't explain them. By Throwaway 1817-1888. Fear of the Dark. The tale of an entity that terrorized me as a child. By Leelock 5. My whole life is different, and no one believes me by PM Me Birthday Dogs. The Dollhouse by Wickerman. I recently moved out of my parents' house, and something is angry about that, by Spoopy Goth Bitch. And finally, Something Happened While Camping by Jones Drums. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Odd Trails is not associated with any other message boards online. If you have any of your own stories that you would like to submit, send them over to stories at oddtrails.com. You can also reach us on social media. Links to those accounts will be provided in the show notes. So I've got a question for you. Yeah. Kind of a weird one, but have you ever at any point like had a dream or otherwise like thought you were in somebody else's body or maybe your brain got swapped with somebody else's like a complete identity change? Um, not like a Freaky Friday thing, but I, yeah, I definitely had dreams where I don't know if it was a lucid dream or an out-of-body experience, but I would wake up as a different person, sort of like Lost Highway from right, uh, David yeah, Lynch, yeah, like Lynch halfway through, it's just like you're a completely different person. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of how Robert Monroe, uh, the guy who kind of pioneered the whole out-of-body experience thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wrote in his books about how he would inhabit other people's bodies and like live an entire life inside of their body. I think one of the longest ones, it, I think, ended in like a car crash. <laughs> right. Yeah. He would like astral project into their lives. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he like Freaky. he was driving this car that was like steam powered or something in this completely different reality. And he, he crashed and ruined this woman's life. You know who would really like that is <laughs> a. Uh, Casey Jones from Ninja Turtles. I don't know. I don't know if you catch that reference or not. Please no, tell me you do. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, from Crash, David Cronenberg. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's 
that that was different than his usual like body horror movie. So it was kind of that's kind of a weird one for me. You know, it, it was definitely weird. Like of course, you know, Fly and Videodrome, everybody loves those. But I think what did it for me is just, yeah, you got Casey Jones from the Ninja Turtles, but instead of chasing after April O'Neil, he's just he has a thing for car accidents. That's yeah, freaking weird. That was a weird one. I don't remember it too well. I need to watch it. So hey, that's your guys' homework uh, from this week's mm-hmm. episode. Check out Lost Highway from David Lynch. And Crash by David Cronenberg. And if you're a big reader, check out Robert Monroe's book. Yeah, it's like called? a Journeys Out of Body is what it was. Yeah, I did like a whole report on that. We should talk about that in a special episode sometime. Yeah, hey, that's a good idea. I'm we down. should do some special episodes where we just kind of... Yeah, just go off the cuff. and Focus on one one subject. Yeah, remember that spooky one that I can't talk about right now? <laughs> uh, the one that could get us killed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the occultic yeah. racist? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. yeah, that's a scary one. We, I don't know. I might t- Maybe we could do like a Patreon thing someday in the future. Yeah, they'd have to pay money, so I think it's worth it. Give me five bucks and you can kill me. It's all good. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Stay safe. Peace out.